What's up, Freedom Chasers? If you are looking to get into geographic farming, we have the show for you. We are going to show you exactly how to utilize modern farming technique that has generated over $250,000 for our guest over a 15-month period. And he has a client that has made over $500,000 in just shy of three years. And we're going to jump into that right now. Welcome to the Freedom Chasers Six Figure Strategies Podcast. If you're an agent or an investor yet to hit six figures, this is the show for you. We take a deep dive into strategies to help you achieve the goal of six figures so that you can grow up to seven figures eventually. If you want to get rid of the many curves in the road that can make the journey longer and more costly, then go to coaching.freedomchaserspodcast.com and book a call with us. And let's get you on a straight line path to freedom. All right, meet Ryan Smith. He is the owner of launcherfarm.com, and he's going to teach us modern geographic farming using his scope method based on the foundation of CPR. So let's kick it off with this foundation. Ryan, could you tell us what CPR is and why agents should be utilizing this foundation? Well, thanks for having me on the show. I'm really appreciate it. I'll, yeah, I'll jump right in. For me, CPR is really what geographic farming should be about. And it's a very different approach from what traditional geographic farming has been done. And many agents have taken the self-promotion approach when it comes to geographic farming. They talk about themselves or how great they are, or how great uh, the, the market is, or, or how many homes they've sold. And it's a new way of looking at how to do farming. And CPR stands for Community Positioning and Relationships. And the thing is, you have to understand that you have to take a community-based approach first if you really want to succeed long-term. Ter- long so we focus on the community you serve, putting the community's needs ahead of your own and ahead of the transaction, and becoming a community-based agent. Then we move into positioning, and we position ourselves in two different ways. One is as an uh, ambassador and as an expert. And we can do various strategies we'll talk about with the scope method and how you can do that. But we have to focus on positioning ourselves correctly so that people want to work with us, they get to know us, like us, and trust us. And then ultimately, the long-term goal is to build relationships in your farm and really connect with people. Instead of just sending out a message, you're connecting and building relationships. And if we learn to do that correctly, we can have a very successful business and really destroy the competition because we are able to build relationships quicker, easier, and have a a long long, uh, successful business. Absolutely. I love what you're talking about here, especially in regards to um, previous farming techniques, right? Where agents usually just say how great they are. Oh, we just sold another house and things of that nature. Um, Something I love to tell people is like, nobody cares how great you are. They care how good (laughs) you could solve their problem, whatever that problem is. Uh, And the way to do that is the foundation of relationships. So, I mean, I really love where you're going here. So let's dive a little bit deeper. Thank you for telling me what CPR is. Now, what is the scope method? Scope is kind of a a layer on top of that CPR. And what it stands for is self-promotion, community, online, offline, prospecting, and education. And what it is, is it's a higher level view of what you need to be doing in your business or in your farm to ensure you get the most out of it. And again, going back to traditional type geographic farming, most traditional geographic farming was self-promotion. It was getting out there and telling everyone about yourselves and how great you are. And that alone used to be able to get you transactions. And it still can, but it doesn't get you nearly the transactions or the market share that it used to. And I know this, I've talked to thousands of agents. I've talked to high level agents who've been doing this for 30 years who say, what I used to do doesn't work anymore. I'm not getting the responses I'm getting. So the standing on its own, self-promotion is not enough to really have that 
high level success. So you have to learn to balance yourself out using some of these other strategies and methods. So it comes from, like I said, self-promotion is number one. You, you do want to learn how to do that. Community is the next important thing. You have to be doing community events. You have to be focused on what's happening in the community. You have to be have a community mindset around your business. And when you, again, focus on the community first, you put their needs first, it becomes a lot easier to see opportunities to build relationships. It becomes easier to try different things in your business instead of just worrying about real estate stats or how great you are. There are more opportunities for you and you're reaching people in a different way. Again, going back to the, the self-promotion, only a certain percentage of the population will resonate with self-promotion type marketing. So we have to reach people in more broader ways. By being community focused, you're going to reach a different section of the, of the community because they resonate with community events. So they're involved in the community. They want to see someone who's active and engaged in the community and has a community mindset. So we are able to connect and, and reach uh, people in different ways. The next one is online and offline. We have to make sure that we are reaching people in both uh, avenues. And so many people are great at one, but not great at the other. Tends to be older, old school agents are good at offline and new school agents are great at online. And sometimes they don't really cross over very well. So we have to learn to mirror and, and uh, match our, our strategies so that those are overlapping and complementing each other as well. It's great to have a billboard, but if you have no online presence or no, nothing to, to go with that, you're not going to reach everyone or reach as many people as possible. So we have to make sure that we're having a balance in that as well. And then we have to prospect. At the end of the day, you still have to prospect. And so many people are out there hoping to do farming so they can just sit back and send out a bunch of postcards and, and collect a bunch of money. And the reality is when we do prospecting correctly with the scope method, it becomes so much easier to do because we are able to add more value to people. We are able to connect with people. We're able to show that we are that expert ambassador and prospecting becomes so much easier, but it's still necessary. And then lastly, we need to educate. And a big missing piece that I find a lot of agents miss is that educational component and is one of the easiest things to implement and create a differentiator between you and other in, in your competition, and it can layer in nicely with all the other strategies. So from a high level perspective, you really have to look at it and say, okay, where am I at my business? Where of these areas am I missing? And how can I imp improve that? The long-term play is then how do I take the strategies and overlap them? That's what I call strategy stacking, where your strategies kind of work together, making sure you're checking each one of those boxes and, and reaching as many people as possible. So that's a quick, quick version of, of what the scope method is. So thank you for that high level overview. That sounds absolutely fantastic. So let's dive deeper into it. So let's just start with the S. What types of marketing should people be doing that are self-promotional in nature? I'm going to flip the script and say, I would be promoting other people to promote myself. And again, in to enable to reach more people, the key is not just promoting yourself. Again, people are bored and tired of hearing people talk about themselves. And one of the best ways to promote yourself is to promote other people. And you do that by doing community interviews. You can do highlights of what's happening in the community. And by showing off what's happening in the community, you are in a sense showing off yourself and, and self-promoting. So one of the things that I'm a big believer in is doing community-based interviews around local businesses and things happening in the community. And it's one of the easiest things you can do if you've got a cell phone, you've got Zoom, or you've got any type of electronic with a recording device, you could do these interviews. And 
the reason why this is so powerful is that it does one of three things or multiple of three things. But one is it gives you content that you can use for your audience. So if you're doing these local interviews, you now have content. So if you've got an audience, you can say, hey, here's what's happening. Here's the who's who and here's what's happening in the community. So they're happy because they get great content. You also then get to build relationships with local businesses and things that are happening in the community. And that can be absolutely invaluable for you to really create long-term relationships that can help you build more referral partners and, and generate more business overall. And then the third thing that a lot of people overlook is that when you get interviewed, so if I'm being interviewed, I'm more likely to share that interview with my audience because it makes me look good. So when this comes out, I'm going to share it with my audience because I'm a guest on your show. I get to be highlighted as the expert and showcase that I know what I'm talking about. So I'm going to feel good about myself and I'm going to go share that with my friends and family. So what happens is when you interview local businesses, they're going to want to share that with their friends and family and say, hey, look, I was on the local show. I was on the local podcast or I was on the, the, had a video interview. And what's going to happen is you're going to very quickly get in front of new people and reach a much more broader audience very quickly. And if we do that correctly, we can do that over and over and over again. And depending on the size of the town or wherever you're living, there's endless amount of people that you could be doing interviews on and creating high quality content. So that's a very easy way to promote yourself by promoting other people. And again, this is where we get back to that uh, strategy stacking. You're educating, you're self-promoting, you're potentially prospecting, you're community involved. So now you're doing a strategy that can help elevate you while you're still self-promoting versus if I was just to go out there and say, I'm awesome, you're not going to get the same response. So, I mean, you literally hit all five in your acronym with the first answer. Um, <laughs> so basically just interviewing business owners, you're doing online and offline because you're meeting them in person and you're distributing online. And yeah, man, I'm, I'm really loving this. So let's dive into the business types that people should be targeting. Is there a target or just anybody? That's a great question. I think one of the first things you want to look at is potentially their audience. So if you want to say, who's their audience? Are they serving locally? Are they someone that's here? And that's what I tend to prefer to do like local mom and pop shops because they tend to have a more of a local audience. They have a more of a connection and a relationship with their with their their customers versus some giant big box stores. I've had very little luck with big box stores because they're just some corporate number and they don't have the time or the energy to do it. So you tend to get an easier answer or you get an easier connection with people. You have a more likelihood that they're going to share it. And then also they live and work and shop local as well. So they've got those connections. The other thing I would say to look for is don't think real estate specific. And so many agents, when they think about businesses, they go to a lawyer, a stager, a home inspector, a mortgage broker, or whatever. And they think, well, I'm going to interview those people. And it's great, but Nine times out of 10, those people aren't funneling you business. You're usually the hub funneling them the deals and the referrals and things like that. So look for people who can help refer you business outside of the real estate world. So maybe there is a flower shop. There's things that are happening in flower shops because people are getting married. People are getting, there's maybe some deaths or maybe there's anniversaries or things like that where life changes are happening. So if you can interview businesses that are geared around life changes or major events in people's lives, you're more likely to connect with people who are connecting with people who are having life changes, which usually signals a, a change in a living situation. But really focus on the people that are serving the community. It doesn't have to be just businesses. It could be things to do in the community. It could be events. It could be organizations. You really want to connect and just show what 
your area has to offer and show, hey, this is what's going on. The other thing to that is it doesn't have to be in the four walls of the area that you're farming as long as they serve the area. So you may have a pool company that's two neighborhoods over, but they work and serve in your area. They're still a great guest and a great opportunity for you. So they don't have to be in the perimeter of the area that you're you're farming. One of the guys I interviewed yesterday was talking to me about how awesome barbershops are and yeah. hair cutteries because how many people are coming in there every day, right? And what do they do? They sit there, they talk to their hairdresser for 20 minutes or so. What if they're buying a house? Well, exactly. you could be the plug there. Um, so I thought that was brilliant. I never heard somebody targeting hairdressers before. And I was like, wow, like they get a lot of foot traffic. Like they really do. Yep. So, um, and yeah, that's amazing. So let's get to the next one. I know we kind of hit all five with the first one, but I'm sure you could get a little bit I've deeper all, into community. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so community, if, if I was doing community, I would be focusing on online communities like Facebook groups. I think it's one of the most underutilized and, and, Great, greatest opportunities for us. Those hyper-local Facebook groups are so powerful because we are able to connect with people who are literally living in the area that we're serving. You're going to get real-time conversations with people. You can connect with people. And I've always said, if marketers 20 years ago knew what the opportunities we were going to have today, they would be mind-blown because we are literally can have conversations. And this is a very different approach than, say, a Facebook page versus a Facebook page is usually pushing your message out there. Facebook groups are people that are in that community or in that area and they're having conversations, they're posting questions, they're asking things, they're commenting on things. So we're able to get into relationship digitally and have conversations with people. So I would say if you're, if there aren't any groups like that in your area, that tells you there's an opportunity for you to create one. Or if there are some that are in the area, get involved and get active. And my piece of advice on that is don't go in there with a real estate mindset go in there with a community mindset don't go in there trying to push your real estate listings and talking about your open houses there's a time and a place for that and those local groups is not the time and place that's an opportunity for you to talk and i always liken it to real estate our face sorry community facebook groups is like going to a party if you just go to a party and show up and just talk to everyone about real estate they're either not going to invite you back or they're just going to ignore you but the great thing is, like a party, is you can bounce around, you can jump in into a conversation, you can meet someone, you can have a conversation, you can kind of be part of it and really flow in and out of these conversations and connect and build rapport with people. But if you go there just talking about real estate, it's, it's not going to do you any good. Now, some people think, well, I don't have the time or the energy to do this. And again, going back to CPR, if we know our ultimate goal is to build relationships, why would you not be wanting to do that and connecting and adding value and building relationships with people that you know are living in the area that you're farming? It, to me, it's a, it's a no-brainer, but some agents don't have the time or the, the, the courage to do that. But I think that's one of the best ways to really connect with the community and, and add value and, and be seen as well. Absolutely. I am totally with you with Facebook groups. Like there is a tremendous amount of money out there that a lot of people just don't see for some reason. Um, you mentioned potentially creating one. Let's say you were to create one. What kind of basis would you have for that? Would you base it off of like a subdivision and try to get everybody in that subdivision in the group? Or would you think um, a little bit broader and say, what's going on in Aurora or something like that? Four different groups that I think that you could really focus on. One would be community specific. So be that to the neighborhood that you're farming on. I think it becomes more intentional. You're purposeful with it. The content that is in going to be there is more specific to the air, people living in that area. You may have less people in there, but you're going to have more meaningful and impactful conversations with the people. You could do citywide or region-wide, but 
in my experience, the broader it is, the less likely you are going to build connections and connect, connect people in, from that hyper-local level. So you could have a couple different ones for each different area. And I think that would be a better fit than just saying a full Niagara region trying to cover the whole area. And I've, I've shown agents the statistics. It's like these big groups for the whole areas don't have the same interaction, don't have the same connection. It's harder to get people to join because it's too broad. So you want to be able to be small. You may, you're not going to make Facebook group for your street, maybe, but there are people who have done that. But I'd say the kind of neighborhood or general area that you're you're farming. If you want to do the the town or the city that you're in as a whole, you can. It just you're not going to have that same intimate uh, connection with. So community group would be one. Another one would be a real estate specific group. So th that would be where I would suggest you can have both and, and run two different groups where you have a real estate group that's specific to what's happening with the real estate market, what's happening with listings, showing people that are interested that, hey, here's what's happening in the real estate market. The downside to that is there's a lot less people interested in it. And they're usually not really tuning in because most people at any given time aren't thinking about real estate. So you're hoping to catch them at the right time. But you can use that to run parallel to your other groups to say, hey, I run this group as well. Or you can kind of share from one group to the other group and say, here's some information. So you're connecting that way. But there's two that are, I think, that are overlooked that are very, can be very successful. And one is a personal interest group. So something that you are excited about, something that you're interested in. So if you're into horseback riding or if you're into uh, outdoor car car racing or something you can create these micro groups around interests and things that you enjoy and connect with people around things that they enjoy too and it becomes easier to build relationships with and connect with now depending again on the size of the the, the population you're in and number of people there may be only so many left-handed horseback riders with whatever that are interested in that so you have to be you don't want to go too small but it's a great way to connect with people and maintain relationships from a more personal standpoint instead of just being community focused and you can have fun doing it so if you're into ukuleles and you can create a ukulele club and you can connect with people who like ukuleles they're going to like you and get to know you and hopefully refer you and, and build relationships that way and then another opportunity is a things to do group and that's one of the things i did so when i moved i was in durham region and i started a, a blog called 52 things to do in durham region and i was showcasing what was happening in the community so showing events and things that people could do and it's a great way to again showcase what you what's going on in the community the who's who in the community create value for your audience and i did that and very quickly became the the expert in what was happening in the community and i was new to the area and no one really knew who i was and within three months people thought i'd been there my whole life because i was highlighting all the different things going on. I was getting invited to uh, networking events and I got invited by the mayor to the uh, top 100 movers and shakers in the community to do like a brainstorming session. So I was showcasing what the community has to offer. So you can do something like that in your community where it's like a little more specific to say, hey, here's what's happening in the community. Here's what's going on. It's a little more positive and instead of just being a community drama page or, or group, then so it, it really depends on what level you want to get involved in and how much time you want. Thank you so much for that super hyper specific answer. That was just, a, <laughs> that was a gem. Um, so let's move along to online offline. Like yeah, more think, so, the, like how do you get the balance? I think let's focus on that. I think the key to that is really messing around and testing things. And you really want to try how can I drive people from offline to online? How can I get people from online to offline and use that as kind of a, 
laboratory and you can do things like doing postcards but driving them to something online or do stuff online and drive them to offline things so one of the things we did was a neighborhood home prices report so we were in person we would door knock and then we would ask if they want to get a report we would send them a physical copy but then we also used online avenues to promote that we used facebook groups we used uh online ads and we would promote that we were using social media to promote online things and our offline products i think the key really is being seen on both channels so that people see you in different ways because someone in household may be on facebook and someone may not be on facebook and if you're only on facebook one partner may not see them and the other person may see them so you the, really the key thing to that is making sure you're being seen and trying to find channels that are more likely to be seen by the people in your in your community so the closer you can connect with them on that hyper local level the higher chances are you are going to have them being seen on some website that no one even goes to or some social media channel that no one even finds out about in your community isn't going to do you much good so you really want to figure out and, and hone in on where are the people connecting in your community where are the channels that they're on what channels are they on how are you going to connect with them that way like i could go into a whole session just on that so i i'd say keep it really take it from a from a, an idea of try to figure out who your audience is and where are they connecting and how can you reach them in those different ways and then try to mess around with crossing them over to, to see how much you can get from that feels kind of dry just going next but i mean it's it's the logical <laughs> progression so let's do it man like where where do you think most agents are making mistakes when they're farming saying they're using a similar strategy to you where is the blind spot with prospecting again the key to, in my opinion, to successful prospecting is having a purpose that adds value. Most agents, when they come from prospecting, again, it comes back to that selfish prospecting and they're going, I'm looking for a seller or I'm looking for a buyer. And the opportunity we have is what I call reverse prospecting is prospecting with a purpose. So if you have a seller or potential seller, your job is to try to sell their home. So you can prospect for that seller. Instead of prospecting for yourself, we should be out there prospecting. We have, a, we have a buyer who's looking for a home. We should be out there trying to find that buyer a home. And we should be prospecting for that buyer, not for our business. So again, one of the things I've done, I, I, uh, I love to leverage leads to get more leads. And that's where I think a lot of agents don't take that opportunity. They just get a lead and then they try to do a transaction and they don't leverage the leads they have to turn it into more business. I can track back. I had one lead that I got that I was from, I borrowed a listing. And I was testing on a new marketing idea. I borrowed this listing, advertised it, generated a lead from it. From that one lead, I got them as a buyer. They then turned around and then sold their house and bought a house with me. And then I got two other listings from that lead as well. And then from that other buyer, I got another buyer as well. And it worked out to be, I think it was like a hundred and almost a hundred thousand dollars from that one lead because I turned it into a reverse prospect. I said, I've got a buyer. So I, I got the buyer lead. And then I was in the Facebook groups in the community saying, Hey, I've got a buyer looking for X, Y, and Z. Does anyone have anything? And that spun into new listings that I got off of that. And that chain of events all came from one lead that if I just would have bought them and sold them a house, I would have left a whole bunch of money on the table. So when it comes to prospecting, think about how you can add value to the people you're serving. And then also how can you leverage prospecting in the community that ties it together. So this is where 
when you get into the, involved with things like the community, you can leverage both. So you can be out and say, hey, we're doing a community event. Uh, wanted to personally invite you out to it. Oh, great. Oh, by the way, also, if you think about making a move, we've got this report or this guide. Have you thought about making a move? If I'm just there saying, hey, are you making a move? You're leaving the connection on, on the table. So you're leaving that money on the table. This is where if you can tie the prospecting into other things, it becomes easier. You're kind of killing two birds with one stone and you're adding more value across the board. And it just becomes second nature if you do it right. And then as you do that in your farm, people know you're not just there to try to sell them a house and, and try to get them deals. Obviously, anybody could turn a listing into buyer leads, but you just gave a pretty clear strategy how to give how to turn a buyer into listing leads. And that's just absolutely fantastic because anybody that raises their hand is, is a listing lead. And I'm sure yeah. you could get a lot of people because like I have a strategy where I just post in yard sale groups. I'm looking for my next flip and people raise their hand and it's just like, Oh, the sellers are coming to me. This is way better that's than exactly. cold calling. Um, <laughs> awesome, man. Let's hit the last one. Um, Education is something that I think should be stitched into your whole entire process from the very beginning to the very end of it. You should be thinking about how can I create an educational experience for people? And in my experience, an educated consumer is a great consumer. So the more education we can provide, the more we can keep them in the loop and the more we can keep them entertained and educated, the better they're going to be. And so many agents go ex assume that consumers know everything about real estate or we think that they just know all the information and we have opportunities to use education to prospect. We have idea, opportunities to create education in the community. We have a we can self-promote ourselves through education. So again, I mentioned earlier, we did a neighborhood home prices report. That was an educational piece that we used. The great thing with that report was it was also a lead generator. So we would go out and we'd door knock and we'd cold call and we'd do online ads and we'd say, hey, we've got this free report on the home sales in the area. Did you want to get a copy? So now we took an educational piece, used it to prospect. We also got our name out there and we connected with people. Now we've got the educational piece and we would send it out monthly. Now we've got an educational piece that also becomes a branding piece that gets our name out there and it gives us opportunities to pitch so we would have our educational component and then we would have calls to action in it with different offers so now we're prospecting in there as well that was also an offline and an online play as well because we would have a hard copy of it driving them to a, a link to an online site if they wanted more information and it was an opportunity for us to connect with the community and say hey we're serving the community this is what we're doing so the educational piece is really going to come down to who your audience is, what is important to them, and how can you add value to them. And if you think about it, it doesn't take a whole lot to create educational pieces. And there's some simple things you can do. Again, going back to the videos, if you're doing community-based videos, that's an educational piece. It's great. And you can use that as a, hey, here's what's happening in the community. Here's, what's, here's the events that's going on. You can do education around the real estate transaction. You can do education around your home. So it could be tips on things to do and how to get your home prepared. It could be living in your home. Here's things you should do. But one of the things that a lot of people miss out on is they, they try to automate all of their educational pieces and try to create this like system. And the truth is we have educational opportunities every day when news stories break, when life events happen, when things change, that creates opportunities, opportunities for us to create educational uh, pieces. My partner, we just had a, well, I'm sure most people know, we had the big storm just before Christmas. So she's been making her phone calls and just checking in with people and saying, hey, just want to check in, see how things were going. And she's touching base with people, but then also educating them on what's happening or here's some things you might want to know about. Here's some tips of if, if she called and let people know about the, because uh, people were, uh, furnaces were freezing 
because their pipes are freezing or something like that. So just letting people know about simple things like that. So there's a lot of different things you can do that is simple. And again, you can create it once and just use it over and over and over again. You could do like a, a community guide of what's happening in the community. Once you create it once, it's just easy to use over and over again. The key really is how do you stitch that into all the other things you're doing and then bring whatever you're doing up a little bit more with just a little bit more education. And if you do all these things and you're willing to do that, you'll have a solid foundation. But the problem is most agents don't like the amount of work it takes. But if you want to be successful, if you want to have market share, it's going to take work. So if you're prepared to do this, I can tell you, because I've talked to thousands and thousands of agents, most agents aren't prepared to create a plan. The key comes down to picking one or two of them to get started and then start layering in the other strategies and then building those up. And I think if you're willing to do that, you can see tremendous success with it. So you've probably already addressed this a little bit, but what do you think agents are getting wrong about what geographic farming is and how should they be shifting their mindset in regards to farming? I, I literally teach a, a course that's 10 myths about geographic farming. And there's a lot of misconceptions about what farming is, what it isn't, what they think it's supposed to be. I think initially the very first fundamental under, mis, misunderstanding is really what is farming. And I think a lot of people think farming is postcards and door knocking. And I always tell people, those are strategies you can use in farming, but they're not farming. Going back to that CPR, the foundation is really that CPR is, is, a, is how you have a successful farm. So the first thing is, if you're thinking about farming or if you've tried farming in the past and your concept of farming was just, hey, I'm going to send out a bunch of stuff and self-promote, that's a first mistake. The other mistake that people do is that they don't budget correctly for their farm. And I don't just mean financial budget. A lot of people think of a uh, budget as just how much money I'm spending, but you want to consider your money and your time and your energy and your resources. Those are all factored into how much is this going to take and what is it going to do? So when people are making decisions, they need to know upfront, like, okay, how much money am I going to put into this over how long of a time? How much energy and time am I going to put into this? And so many people get all gung ho about it and they get excited about it. And then all of a sudden they get busy and then they don't have the time to maintain and continue the farm. And that's where I see a lot of people mess up because they get started, they put the money into it and then they can't continue it consistently. And then they don't have the energy to do it. And this is where it's, it's a tricky one for some people is you have to find something that you're going to be able to can do, continue to do. So if I hate cold calling, if I just hate it, if I budget my time for, for cold calling and I just hate it, I'm not going to stick with it. I'm not. So you have to find strategies that are going to work with things that you can actually stick with. On the flip side, though, you're going to have to get uncomfortable. There's going to be things you need to do and you may not like doing them, but you're going to have to commit to that. So you have to budget is how much energy is this going to suck out of me and I have to make sure that that's done. And the biggest one that most people make a mistake on is the consistency and the length of time it takes to do a farm. Most people give up well before they see results and they usually give up at the two to three month mark. And I tell people, they, they come to me and they'll say, well, I, I tried farming. I sent out a couple flyers and I say, that's not farming. That's failed marketing. Like farming is consistent, just like a real farm. If I go out and plant a seed, you don't plant a seed, come back in a month and go, ah, didn't work and walk away. That's not farming. That's you planted some seeds. So it, it's, there's seasons in this business. There's seasons in, in real farms too, where you, you plant the seed, there's strategies, there's processes that you have to go through to start to see your harvest. On the flip side though, there are things you can do to speed up that process. And that's where a lot of agents don't know those kind of tricks and tips. And that's 
what I do. I teach agents how to do that to speed up that process. But most people give up far too soon. And then they put that money in. And I've heard more people tell me that it doesn't work. And I, and I usually ask them, how long did you do it for? And what did you do? And it's, I sent out some postcards and I tried it for a couple months and it doesn't work. The truth is farming works, but you have to be committed to doing it. And then lastly, I think the, the other big mistake that a lot of agents make is that they go in with the wrong mindset. Like I said, is they focus on, is about me and they focus on their self-promotion side of it and not the community. And if they focus on the community first and they put their needs first, you can't help but succeed because people will connect with people and want to know that people are there to help them. So you have to be willing to, to put the community first and not just focus on the real estate transactions. Like what kind of time frame is reasonable for farming? And also like, let's say a monthly budget. Timing is going to depend on you and your budget and what you start with. So I always tell agents, start with your budget first and work backwards from your goals. How much do you want to make from it? And then you can work backwards and say, how much time and money am I going to have to put into this? So for a lot of agents, they don't have the money to do it. So it's going to be a lot more time heavy. So it's it's that kind of that scale you have to balance out of how much time and how much money I'm going to do this. At the beginning, if you don't have a lot of money, you're going to have to put the time and the energy in to get the results. So you're going to be spending a couple hours a day consistently for months before you start to see the results. If you're new, what happens is a lot of people, who, or sorry, if you're not new and you have some money, a lot of people think if I just throw enough money at it, it's going to get the results. But that usually doesn't work either because they just go, just throw enough money at it. You have to put time in and you have to put some money in. So a, a good rule of thumb, depending on what strategies you're looking at, is 50 cents to a dollar per door per month. So if you've got a thousand homes, 500 to a thousand dollars per door with, uh, per month. If you are going to do a lot more time heavy, you can do that for next to nothing. And there's a lot of strategies you can do that don't cost you anything, but it will take you time. On the flip side, there are things you can do that are going to cost you two or three or four dollars a month per door, but you're not going to have to put as much time into it. So you have to figure out the budget and then work backwards. As far as time to see results, again, this is one of the mistakes that a lot of agents have made or have heard of is that they a lot of people say oh, it takes you know a year or two years before you start to see results in your farm. And the truth is, based on old school farming, it does take that long. If you're just sending out postcards telling people about you, it's going to take a long time for people to go, okay, this person's not going anywhere. I trust this person. I know who they are. So it does take a long time. If you do some of the things I talk about and, and some of the things I train on is you're getting people to put their hands up and reach out to you. You're getting people to connect with you. You're building relationships. You can speed that up much quicker. So I've had students get a lead in, in one month and close a deal in their first month. Usually I say between two to six months, but two to four months is a kind of a sweet spot where you're starting to get real action and start to get leads coming in. But the key ultimately, though, is remembering that this is a long-term play. Just like a real farm, you plant the seed and you're planting crops and you're expecting it to grow in the future. The more work you do now, the more you're going to see results down the road. And if you're committed to this in the long run, if you're there for the long haul, you're going to have an amazing harvest in two years, three years, four years, five years from now. And no one will be able to touch you if you're consistent with it. So you have to have the short-term pain of the first year of, yeah, you're not going to get all the results you want. You're not going to get instant gratification. And if you're looking for instant gratification, don't do farming. Don't do this business, period, because it's not an instant gratification business. But you're going to build a long-term success if you're willing to do that. So from a numbers perspective, uh, usually I tell agents, you can expect to get, if you're willing to commit it, if you're committed to really doing a farm, 5% market share uh, in the first year, 10% market share from between year and one and year two, and then from 10% on 
depending on depending on how in depth you go. Uh, again, it's going to depend on the level of commitment you put into it and the time. Uh, it's it's very easy to get to ten percent in a year to two years if you're willing to do that. But some people think they're going to send a postcard a month and all of a sudden get fifty percent market share. It's like you got to be realistic, and, and, and you're not going to get that. Without question, fifty percent market share is going to be extremely difficult to get to, anyways. Even if you exactly. manage to maintain this exactly. for several years, but like even twenty percent, if you're farming a three thousand house neighborhood, I mean that's more than enough to live off of for most agents, right? Yes. And um, very great stuff. So you mentioned community events a bunch of times. I'd like to dive a little bit deeper into that. Like what types of events do you think you should be having? I'm guessing you're not going to say like buyer seminars and stuff like that. Yeah, those are things you, you can do, but I wouldn't be my main focus, especially when you're getting started. If, if I was new to farming and trying to get involved, I wouldn't try to run a community event from scratch because that's where a lot of people get hung up on and they get into the minutia of running the event and they take up all the time and energy. Um, I would try to piggyback off of other events that are already happening and try to be, try to add as much value as you can to that event and try to, try to create relationships that way or, or partner with people to create some events. Uh, I've seen people just go in there and say, I'm going to sponsor the events and they throw out a lot of money at sponsorship and they just try to get their logo up and try to get their name out there. Again, it's a very different approach. That's self-promotion and that doesn't have the same results, but there are things you can do that are very inexpensive and don't take a whole lot of time. My partner she just ran a, a, a community garage sale this summer so we moved she started her farm over the summer and she ran a community garage sale and we had in, in her area there's about 1100 homes she actually cut off the registrations we had about 30 people register for to be vendors for the garage sale and she wasn't sure if there's gonna be enough people took her a bit of time to get it set up and but then now she's become known as that person who ran the community garage sale and when she's out and about she just says oh yeah I'm at the community garage sale we had this summer and it was very easy to do it cost her very little much money very little money she got sponsorships she got people to give some kickbacks in local businesses she got flyers put up all over you could do something like that you can do things like uh events in the park so you could do just simple things you could be connecting with other people you could uh, partner with people who are already doing events and either add some extra value to their event. So you, maybe you're sponsoring something there or doing some type of giveaway or some type of things like that. Uh, in our farm, we had a, uh, uh, there's a kid in our neighborhood that, and he was building birdhouses with his dad and they were selling the birdhouses and all the money went to the hospital. So they had, they were raising money for the hospital. At the time, I think it was about, they'd raised like I don't know, 14, 15, $16,000 at, at this point. And it was tied in very well to what we're doing. We're in real estate. So there's a house and it's, it's in our neighborhood and it's serving our local community. So we got together and we supported him. I brought him into my office. He did a presentation at the office and sold a bunch. I think he sold like $3,000 worth of birdhouses at our office. And then we had a, uh, an event and we hosted it with a local bank. We got a bunch of people together to sponsor it. And I think it was like $5,000 worth of birdhouses that we sold. And we had the news outlets there. We were on the front cover of the, the, the newspaper. We got connected with all the different people in the area. We got flyers out to the community. And it was something that was super easy to do. It cost us our time and it cost us some postcards. So we printed the book, which we were going to do anyways. So one side of the postcard was the event and one side was a real estate thing. So you can do community events for very little money, but it just depends on how much time you want to put into it. Or you can get involved like volunteering and being involved with things that are causes or care, uh, uh, causes in your community. 
a simple one would be like a food drive or a toy drive. Literally just some flyers. You can go and do it. My, uh, my partner's going to be doing that. Her daughter did uh, a food drive for our church and she did raise like $300 or 300 pounds worth of food in two evenings. She went around the neighborhood, printed some flyers off. And that was kind of our, our laboratory going, Hey, this works really well for the community. So we're going to be reproducing what she did and do it in, in our real estate business. So there's simple things you can do that ties you to the community that shows that you care and, and shows that you give back without having to take a whole lot of time or, or energy to do it. Absolutely amazing stuff, man. And this is super pertinent to me. I'm probably going to connect you with my dad because he's looking to farm an area right now. And, and you are obviously extremely, extremely knowledgeable about this. Um, so anybody looking to work with you, man, where would be the best way for them to get in touch with you? Best place to start would be launcherfarm.com. It's my kind of main hub. You can find my, I have a podcast. I've got training on there and some, some information there. Uh, launcherfarm.com has all that information there. I've got a program called Launcher Farm Elite. It's kind of my entry program it's we do monthly videos there's or monthly live training there's workshops there's uh done for you marketing information in there it's very inexpensive right now it's 50 bucks a month so it's very cheap the library of all the trainings in there so we've got over a year's worth of, of content in there that's one of the best ways to kind of get in and get your feet wet to see if farming's the right fit for you we have a theme each month so you, you kind of dive into a topic each month and we go through that we can get questions answered at the the training. Uh, I've got some other programs as well, but those are kind of the two easiest ways. If you want to check out my podcast and my show, I've done 102 episodes at this point uh, that I've launched. And it's a, it's just a something I'm passionate about and something I really love. And I think if agents are prepared and ready to, to do farming, they can really take the next level, but you got to be willing to put the time in well there you have it you know where to reach him he's got a great podcast where i'm sure he talks about these amazing strategies in even further detail and not only that he has a course that's only 50 bucks a month um after talking to him it sounds like that's a screaming value so ryan smith man thank you so much for giving us a glimpse into your life and into your business um, and to those of you out there chasing freedom, remember, freedom is acquired one action at a time. As, as Ryan said, if you're not consistent, you're not going to get the goals that you want to. So go out there and take massive action. Um, this strategy or one of the other strategies that we discuss, um, don't do more than three. And tell somebody you know that can hold you accountable. And before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. So thanks for tuning in, and we'll catch you on the next one.